0: to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively
1: for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Welcome to another edition of Dairy Voice. This is Joel Hastings, your host. We're very pleased to be here today with a longtime friend, Jeffrey Vandenhuvel. Jeff dairied for many years in Southern California and Chino, where we first became acquainted. And even though I have stepped back from kind of full-time dairy work, I'm happy to say we continue to stay in touch because uh, he's also involved very much in California water matters, where I'm spending a bit of time. Jeff is the Director of Economic and Regulatory Affairs for the Milk Producers Council here in California, a dairy trade group, and he's made it his business to monitor water activities, uh, particularly up up and down the Central Valley of California. And there's been a lot going on in recent years in that field. Jeff, welcome to Dairy Voice. Thanks for being with us. It's my pleasure, Joe. I heard Jeff make a presentation, uh, along with several others, at a really interesting meeting for dairy producers uh, last month in Tulare, California, all about water. A new study had been commissioned, and then the results were presented about the impact of uh, water regulations on the dairy industry in California. Jeff also talked about how those regulations are being implemented and what impact they're having on the dairy industry here as well, on, on the ground, if you will. Jeff, welcome again, and why don't you start us off by kind of maybe giving us a little bit of an overview as you did at that meeting in Tulare, talking about the importance of water and the movement of water, In California,
0: you know, one of the things that's uh, an interesting thing to keep in mind about California is that um, it's a uh, it's got very unusual weather, and you know, it's in the West. Today, it's the uh, most populated state in the Union, and by quite a bit yet. But it wasn't always this way. And so I have found that it's kind of helpful if you're gonna talk about water in California to to get a little bit of a perspective on how much engineering had to go into making the civilization here possible. And, One way to kind of illustrate that is a quote that I found uh, years ago, actually, and it was a quote that was actually written by an author who traveled the state of California right after we became a state back in 1855. And of course, we had the gold rush going on at that time. California was just starting to become... Somewhat populated, a lot of the uh, prospectors coming here looking for gold. And there was a lot of hype about California and the rest of the country. And so this, this guy from, uh, from South Carolina, his name was Hinton Helper, traveled out to California and then spent a couple of years traveling the state. And going to the the various areas of the state and evaluating what its potential was. And he wrote a, he wrote his observations in a book. And the book was uh, t- the book title is The Land of Gold: Reality versus Fiction. And there's a very interesting quote. I just want you to follow along with me. Here's what he said in 1855. He said balancing resource against defect, and comparing territory with territory, California is the poorest state in the Union. She has little to recommend her except her fascinating metal. As for the valleys, they will afford a sufficient supply of breadstuffs to support sparse settlements, but the average or general surface of the country is incapable of sustaining a dense population. Now, That was 1855 and what he observed, and obviously it's very, very different from the California that we see today 170 years later. And what made the difference between what he observed then and what we have developed here now is really the story of moving water around and taking water from areas of abundance and moving them to areas of need and literally causing the desert to bloom, and so managing that water, you know, it was first the uh, you know there were various areas that had surface water in the uh, in the mountains that were nearby, and they developed uh, those water supplies and and began to um, uh, develop farming uh, with those waters, and and then later the uh, centrifugal pump uh, and the electric or or powered uh, well uh, was developed, and then it turned out. Uh, that we discovered there was enormous water resources under our feet in in the groundwater that had been placed there over the eons you know really the san joaquin valley is a big is a big uh, bowl I mean, it's huge, and it and it holds millions and millions and millions of acre feet of water. And so, these water resources uh, began to be developed for agriculture, and then Southern California began to develop as a as a metropolitan area. And there were some great stories about about how uh, Southern California leaders basically. Moved water already uh, Los Angeles, uh, the folks in Los Angeles went and got water rights up in the Owens Valley about uh, 250 miles away on the eastern slope of the Sierra Nevada. There's a valley there on the eastern slope. And they secured the water rights to that and financed the gravity flow canal to move that water 250 miles. And that uh, allowed Los Angeles to grow and uh, to develop. But then they next went in the 1930s to the Colorado River and built another 250-mile canal from the Colorado River to Los Angeles. And then uh, and then the final one was the uh, State Water Project, which takes water out of the uh, uh, the uh, Sacramento River up near to the east of San Francisco Bay. So you had you had a lot of these water projects that got developed that made California possible. Yeah, Joel, uh, you know uh, that's kind of the big picture is that really uh, moving water around that makes uh, the California that we know today possible. And and you know we've got some some real challenges with that system.
1: California Bioenergy is a leading developer of dairy digesters in America. With more than 100 projects, over 50 of them operational, CalBio has the expertise to help your dairy generate revenue by capturing methane and creating renewable vehicle fuels. Founded by a dairy farmer, CalBio considers itself the most dairy-focused digester developer, building systems to last generations, along with your existing family-owned operation. Now expanding with its subsidiaries, Northwest, Midwest, and Southwest Bioenergy, CalBio is ready to serve you. To learn more about how a Cal biodigester could benefit your dairy, manure, and wallet, visit them at CalBioEnergy.com. Well, I think, uh, as we know, California has emerged as a leading dairy state, the leading dairy state, and yet water, or lack of water, has become started to become an issue with California agriculture, not only through drought but also through I'll call it overpumping of this groundwater aquifer that you mentioned well a very significant change and a very significant law was put into place by the state legislature signed by the governor called sigma the sustainable groundwater management act the question is is that the game changer that some folks think it needs to be or should be or will be and uh, you've had some very interesting insights on sigma and its impact on the dairy industry in particular
0: well you know it's it's actually we uh, California passed Wisconsin already in the uh, early 1990s in terms of milk production. So we we've, yes, we've been yes. the number one uh, dairy state for uh, yep yeah, coming up on 30 years now. Sure. You know the cow is a ruminant and needs forage, right? And forage takes quite a bit of water to grow. Water, in the dairy industry uh, they kind of go hand in hand. A couple of things while we while we have had a regulated system on surface water uh, going back over 100 years groundwater production has never been regulated at the state level. So remember what I said that there's millions and millions of acre feet of underground of water under the ground in the San Joaquin Valley. And really that's what we're we're talking about now is that, you know, a very significant part of the dairy industry, maybe 90% of our milk production is in the San Joaquin Valley. So that that's really the ball game in terms of you know where the dairy industry is we've been taking more water out of the ground than is replenished it was the groundwater was not regulated as you begin to deplete the groundwater aquifer there's some bad things that happen you end up with land subsidence uh, you end up with dry wells of folks you know and, and it becomes kind of a race to the bottom who can who can drill the the, the biggest deepest well uh, can get the water, and so that became untenable. And the state legislature passed a statewide groundwater regulation in 2014. But what they did was a couple of very interesting things. They first of all they said we're gonna we're gonna pass this law now, and our target is that we're gonna reach sustainability by the year 2040. So that was 25 years into the future. And we know that it's going to take a while for everybody to get organized. And so you've got a few years uh, because and we want to do this at the local level because we we believe that, you know, there's a lot of different circumstances uh, in different parts, and to try to do this or have the state do this is not is not going to be very successful. So we want uh, authorize uh, incentivize local groups to form together to take on the responsibility of regulating groundwater locally, and we'll give them authorities, authorities to tax, authorities to regulate, and and that's what they did, and and actually that was uh, very successful. Uh, every by by 2018, uh, 2017, all of these ground new groundwater sustainability agencies had been formed. And then in the critically overdrafted areas of the state, which is pretty much the whole San Joaquin Valley, they had a deadline of January 30 of 2020 to come up with a plan that would eliminate overdraft by 2040. And so that is what uh, all these various groundwater sustainability agencies were working on was developing these plans and uh, everybody uh, was successful in submitting a plan by January 30 of 2020. And uh, they were then uh, authorized to begin implementing their plans. And, and so they are, uh, these GSAs are implementing these plans. And, and in areas, my responsibility working for Milk Producers Council is to follow this for the dairy industry and to kind of be the dairy industry guy in these local GSAs. So I go to hundreds of meetings and, uh, and follow them. Yeah, we've got uh, a fair amount of dairy that's uh, impacted by this. And so, Joel, you mentioned that uh, we did, we commissioned the industry commissioned an economic study. Once we had the plans submitted by January 30 of 2020, then we kind of at least knew the first initial potential for impact on the industry, because these plans are some combination of generating new supply, additional water supplies for the area, and frankly, reduced pumping. You know, it's a, it's a localized plan. Uh, the industry hired a uh, an economics firm to basically review all these plans for where we had dairies and then try to at least do a first cut on what kind of impact we're looking at the dairy industry from particularly the reductions that are going to come about as we bring our demand down to meet the available supply so that's really what the economic study was attempting to do, and so we've got some initial initial numbers on that and yeah, it looks like it will definitely have an impact on the dairy industry but it's gonna be again very location specific when you look at the San Joaquin Valley, there are parts of the San Joaquin valley you know the total valley. The Central Valley of California includes both the Sacramento Valley and the San Joaquin Valley. And when we say Sacramento or San Joaquin, they're really talking about the name of the main river that drains that valley. The Sacramento Valley is is really drained by the Sacramento River, which is north of uh, the San Francisco Bay, north of the Delta area. Kind of, you know, the city of Sacramento is kind of at the lower end of the Sacramento Valley. And then the San Joaquin Valley is below that, and uh, that goes really starts already in Bakersfield in the southern part of the San Joaquin Valley, just a hundred miles north of Los Angeles. That's the lower end of the San Joaquin Valley, and then that goes all the way up to, uh, yeah, to the uh, to the Delta area there near Modesto. That's kind of the northern end of the of the San Joaquin Valley. Okay, so that valley. Um, the San Joaquin is is where we got the bulk of the dairy industry at the southern end of that, the southern third, uh, is quite a bit drier than the northern half. So we did develop quite a bit of dairy in that southern third, uh, kind of Bakersfield to Fresno in that area there, if you're familiar at all with, uh, with the geography of California and it's a fairly dry area. And and so what the study did reveal is that, yeah, there's going to be, be an impact, a, a reduction in, in dairy cows, probably uh, around the range of around 10 percent. That's going to occur in the San Joaquin Valley over the next you know 15 to 18 years. Um, I think it'll be fairly steady, slow. That's what the study looks like. There are a lot of other factors beyond just water uh, that could make it better or worse. I mean, we're you know we're getting a lot more regulations on air and water quality and you know feed availability there's a lot of issues uh you know that are not directly related to sigma that will also impact the dairy industry but that that's kind of what the study showed is that uh, there'll be a reduction in dairy because uh, because of less water available for groundwater pumping that's
1: kind of where uh, the impact is going to lie and with a reduction in cows and potentially a reduction in production that flows out through dairy processing not only employment on farms but that flows out through the whole dairy processing industry which the study also attempted right. to talk about
0: you know i mean when you when you look at you know say 7 or 8% less milk out of california cuz our production per cow will probably continue to you know, go up. Uh, you know, it's been a pretty steady trend. There's probably not much in sigma that's going to change that. But yeah, less milk is uh, is is less processing and less jobs and less economic activity. You know, it could it could tighten up the milk supply a little bit. In California, which which you know wouldn't necessarily be. A bad thing, depending on, you know, whether people could adapt to it, but a little bit more competition for the milk supply. Uh, That's one thing the study did point out that uh, the industry does have the ability to adapt. And I think probably the most valuable thing about that study was there's been a lot of, well, I don't know about a lot, but there's been speculation, oh, you know, you're going to lose half the dairy industry because of this, or, you know, some some claim like that. And, you know, when you actually go in and start looking at the numbers, it's definitely going to have an impact. There's no doubt about that. It isn't like the California dairy industry is going to dry up and go away.
1: I'm wondering if we can uh, maybe speculate a little bit, and it's certainly on my part it's speculation, on your part it's probably based on your experience and fact, but we hear about and, and observe California dairy families moving to other parts of the country, whether it's the Panhandle of Texas or the I-29 corridor, where in addition to feed availability and, and what's said to be less regulation, there's access to groundwater. But we're also here beginning to hear some stories of that groundwater becoming a little less available. And I'm wondering if you can fill in the blanks here, Uh, is what's happening in California in terms of dealing with a serious restriction in groundwater use, are are we going to begin to see that in other parts of the country in coming years, if not decades? it's
0: said that california is the last western state to actually regulate its groundwater now i guess that depends on where you put texas because texas texas uh doesn't regulate their groundwater as far as i as far as i know it's the wild west in texas um but is texas part of the west or part of the middle part of the country i don't know but once you get west of texas all the other states regulated their groundwater a long time ago. You know, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, they, they've they all regulated their groundwater uh, long before California did. We were really the last Western state to do it. We should have done it 50 years ago, frankly. It does create some challenges, but you know, one thing about having a regulated system is you got a lot more certainty about what you have and and um and people use water more uh, prudently and efficiently if if you know they're being if their usage is being is being monitored and and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know for for quite a while already Californians California dairy farmers who wanted to expand have gone you know someplace else i mean california's cow numbers have not really changed much in the last 10 11 12 years we stopped growing around 2010 and we haven't grown we haven't grown since we are the same same size industry now that we were you know 10 12 years ago certainly you've got a lot of californians that have done their expansions in in other parts other parts of the country i, I don't see that changing when you look at California as a you know place to do agriculture, I mean it's a wonderful place to do agriculture. I think we grow two hundred and fifty different types of farm commodities here you know that's a that's a resource is really kind of unmatched too many places on the you know on the planet, much less in the united states i mean that that ability to grow so many different things so you're, you know, when it comes to water, there's going to be a competition between those other ag commodity, you know, commodities that you can grow. Um, you know, we got an urban population that that has water demands as well. So water was always going to be an issue uh, for California. It's kind of interesting that we did build as big of a dairy industry here as we did. One of the things the economic study revealed was while alfalfa and corn silage and winter forage at the field level don't look as profitable as say you know pistachios and almonds when you roll the, those values for uh, those forages into their value in a dairy operation, then the values actually are very comparable uh, with those high value other ag uses. That was kind of uh, uh, interesting and, and I think a good uh, message for the broader water policy people to see. As I, I think there's been a lot of just assumption that somehow or another we just grow less alfalfa and less corn and and you know just bro- grow the high value stuff. You know the dairy industry needs those commodities and when you look at the value of dairy, uh, and you and you associate that value with the necessity for those forage crops, then those forage crops are actually quite valuable. And then the other thing that we've really learned over the last two years, we really three years that we've been working on this is that the trees, which, you know, we, we used to, uh, I I mean, we, you know, we got huge almond and uh, pistachio, Acreages now in California, probably a couple of million acres of almonds, pistachios, and, and walnuts. That that becomes a very hard demand. I mean that those trees need to get watered every year. So when you're going to have these extended droughts, which I think you know we've always had uh, wet and dry periods, and you know that seems to be those the wet periods and the dry periods. I mean that that that's not going to change. It may even get worse. You know when you're when you're growing a crop like corn you don't have the water, uh, maybe you don't double crop, uh, maybe just grow a winter crop or, you know, you haven't really devalued the land if you've got a, uh, you know, a dry year. Whereas if you don't water an orchard, you know, you're going to lose those trees. I, I think in managing the results of sigma, which are going to be less water, the trees and where they fit in the overall future palette of California is going to change somewhat than, than, than what we've uh, seen here in the last decade.
1: When we were talking before this uh, conversation, you'd mentioned your experience with a, I guess he's a former neighbor from Chino who, who did move to Texas years and years ago. If you don't mind, would you just share that anecdote?
0: <laughs> I had a good friend that uh, that moved to Texas probably around 15 years ago and, and uh, built a pretty good sized dairy. Uh, probably not as yeah, I mean, man, I'm I'm hearing massive dairies now being built, Texas and around the country. But what we used to think of as a as a pretty good size, you know, three four thousand cow dairy is telling me, you know, when they've drilled their first wells, I mean, they were getting fifteen hundred gallons a minute, fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen hundred gallon wells, and and now they've had to drill more wells, and and they're getting you know four hundred gallons a minute, five hundred gallons a minute, really struggling, and clearly the aquifer, the water table's dropping, and <laughs> I asked him well is anybody doing anything about that and he just laughed at me. He said, "Hey, this is this is Texas. We don't uh, believe in regulation here." So, uh that that's an anecdote. Those listeners of yours that are from Texas, if they've got a if, if that's inaccurate, I'd sure like to hear about it, but if you're taking more water out of the ground than what's replen- being replenished eventually, you know, you're basically mining uh water. You know, without water, we really can't grow anything. So, I don't know that that's a great strategy but um certainly in California we're we're now going to manage uh, this water and, and uh, I don't think that in and of itself is a bad thing. I think we can manage our surface water much better. And, uh, when we have these wet years like we're experiencing right now, uh, certainly we need to be putting those water that water percolating it down into the ground. And when groundwater was not regulated, then there wasn't really any incentive to spend the money and the time and the effort to percolate water back down into the ground. And I got to tell you, now that we are regulating groundwater, that whole attitude has completely changed. Farmers and landowners are eager to grab whatever water is is coming down the creeks and the rivers that they can get their hands on and spreading it out over the fields uh, here in the winter time and uh, getting it to percolate back down in the groundwater because it's just so critical that we that we recharge these aquifers when we when we have these wet years. And there's more we can do at the state level and. The dairy industry is very involved in, in some broader efforts to uh, to try to uh, make a real positive difference on uh, on that at the state level too. Yeah, this is uh, necessity is the mother of invention and we realize we've got a problem, uh, but there are some solutions out there that, uh, that we can work on and that's what we're spending a lot of our time and effort trying to do is make things better.
1: Well, I think that's a great way to summarize this conversation. We appreciate you taking time to be with us. We're speaking with Jeffrey Vandenhuvel of the California Milk Producers Council. We've been talking about the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act in California and its potential impact on the California dairy industry. Uh, I think our take home message, Jeff, uh, it will have an impact, but tales of the demise of the California industry due to lack of water are maybe a little bit apocryphal.
0: <laughs> to paraphrase Mark Twain.
1: <laughs> That's right. As we say here in California, Whiskey is for drinking and water is for fighting.
0: That's an apocryphal statement too. (laughs) Indeed.
1: Well, Jeff, thank you very much for being with us. And uh, thanks for taking time to share your insights. It is my pleasure, Joel. And this is Joel Hastings speaking for Dairy Voice. We appreciate you being with us today. And it's been my pleasure to talk to Jeff.